Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I am hopping mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Bam! Monkey tennis? A little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, friends, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we're working our way through Alan's own podcast from the Oast House Series 2. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. I despise O2. Nick Older. I'm not sure what he was, just a small magic man. And Tom Stab. Right, let's pothole. <laughs> <laughs> so, we will indeed be potholing this episode, but first there's a small matter of a stakeout, and before we even get to that, as always, we uh, open each Oast House episode with a little bit about some of the accompanying promo that's been going on for this series. Um, Tom Stab is going to take us back to the exciting world of LinkedIn. <laughs> what a world. <laughs> What a world. So, yes, last week we covered how to make professional connections. Uh, this week, a, uh, a, a this post went out on the 23rd of September, so the day after 
um, Oast House Series 2 dropped on Audible, uh, and it's called Working From Home, A Suggested Itinerary. So basically, again, we'll post the link so you can read the full thing in your own, the full thing in your own time. Um, but I do like the opening section to this where Alan talks about working from home. Um, he says, apart from the deaths, the greatest downside to the COVID pandemic was surely the closing down of shared office spaces. Working from home was fun for a few days, sending emails from the bath, eating chalk ices while designing a PowerPoint presentation, conducting Zoom calls <laughs> with the contented smirk of a man who is secretly naked from the waist down. All good, honest British fun. <laughs> um, so yes, I liked all of that. So this is basically an itinerary of, of, of how Alan spends or spent his day in lockdown, um, starting at 8am uh, and ending at, if I scroll down, 7 p.m so um yes we'll post that on socials and you can read it in your own time but as always it is a lot of fun um there's an element to this of him wanting everyone back in the office and back in shared office space isn't there because he's been a vocal uh, supporter of regus i think it is regus higher regis. office space regus. Regis. yeah in uh, in previous partridge output as well but he? what i also like about this is that alan in no way really ever goes into an office has been in an office is part of an office but yeah he's talking <laughs> yeah, about how everyone yeah. needs to get back into the office yeah. he works in a radio studio when he works in radio but at the moment he's not really doing anything so he's never in a bloody office i think it's quite a good lampooning of the sort of posts that you see on linkedin quite a lot as well it's kind of like people going like my path to success my secret to success is this is my working day get up at 5 a.m do this do that it, it, it's definitely mocking that sort of thing as well in that world isn't it oh god LinkedIn is such a wasteland of shit as well, isn't it? Like the amount of the the the, the worst the worst ones are the it's it's just so clickbaity as well. The amount of mm, things where mm. it's like I the opening line is like I killed a man today, and then you open the fold and it's like I killed him with kindness, offering him twenty percent off my <laughs> NFT you know starter pack. Like oh, awful business. Anyway, um, onto the uh, onto tell the us what you think, Adam. Tell us what you think. <laughs> Before we before we crack into this uh, to, to this specific episode, just talking about episodes three and four, when I looked at what the uh, titles were, and when I sort of started listening to the first few seconds or minutes of the of each of these episodes, I made two predictions, and both of them came true. The prediction for this episode is that in stakeout, he will be confronted by the person that he is staking out, and episode four, potholing, he's going to get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, did, did we all did we all guess that he was going to get stuck when potholing? I think that was I could read yeah. that coming a mile off. Yeah, yeah. we'll get yeah, to it. Yeah. And also that that would follow some hubris about how easy it was going to be or how live he was feeling. <laughs> Let me uh, give you the synopsis for episode three, the first episode we're going to look at today. Stakeout. First thing to notice is that I think there's an argument that stakeout is all one word, but it's got a space in it here, probably because of Alan. Uh, so stakeout. Alan lies in wait, hoping to catch fly tippers who've been dumping building materials on a patch of grass behind the cul-de-sac. Um, I think it's also noteworthy when you compare it to some of the um, synopsis for episodes one and two, which were much more professional sounding and less like a petty grievance. So in, in uh, episodes one, it was a chance encounter with a local radio exec offers Alan hope of a professional revival. A mere two episodes later, he's in wait, hoping to catch fly tippers who've been dumping building materials on a patch of grass behind the cul-de-sac. The cul-de-sac, assuming you already know all about the cul-de-sac as well. Yeah, yeah which, which has never been mentioned before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it suggests as well, the cul-de-sac thing, because um, he, he has given sort of scant detail about where he lives and Uber drivers and where he gets dro mm. dropped off. But this episode makes it suggest as if he is living in 
relatively close proximity with others you know he can see neighbors they can see him and in the oast house he has referenced a neighbor i believe but this this cul-de-sac setup sounds almost like a different location to the oast house and again unless i'm wrong there is no reference to the oast house in in this episode so i've not listened all the way to the end of the series but um there is they do give his address at some point in the later episode and i did look it up and actually it didn't to me look like a place where an oast house would be but there is a legitimate cul-de-sac with, oh well they with, they talk the, the address well they, it's glideborne close in this exactly. episode yeah i would jump yeah okay so yeah we're jumping ahead a little bit but i did look that up and it is a cul-de-sac um is it a cul-de-sac in salisbury though isn't it it is, but I hadn't listed the end of the series. I wondered if perhaps the, the the joke here is that he actually doesn't have the Oast House anymore at all. Um, uh, I just think this is one of those things where there's a bit of inconsistency in the APU and it's kind of, you know, it's only people like us that are spending this amount of time. Are we overthinking it? Is that the bottom line? I, I think so, because, because there, in other episodes in this series, he does, <laughs> in he a, does talk... In episode 140, are we <laughs> overthinking it? <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, there, there are other episodes in this series where he does say, "I'm I'm Alan Partridge coming to you from the Oast House" or, or something like yeah. that. So, but but I mean, I guess the thing to remember is it actually isn't. Re- he does reference this in series one. It isn't really an Oast House. It's an Oast style house. Um, so I think perhaps in series one he was making the effort to give the illusion that he was in perhaps a larger, more salubrious location, which is more spaced out from his neighbours. But he does talk about in that series. There's the bit when he thinks one of his neighbours has killed his wife or something and it's not that. So he's yeah. close enough to kind of spawn them like that. So, you know, whether it's just a bit of a dropping of that pretense somewhat. Um, speaking of uh, spying on people and accusing them of things, it turns out they haven't done. Um, we open at uh, five past midnight uh, where he spotted a white male, five foot ten, 180 pounds, polo neck, cords, appearance pleasing, uh, <laughs> prowling, no, lurking loitering um it turns out it's ollie and he lives there (laughs) so yeah this hasn't got off to a great start has it um but it is followed by a fun bit where he uh manages to do some fun animal wordplay uh when he talks about animaling an animal so aping a dog ramming a badger uh and so on although dogging an ape uh he admits is an ethical an ethical minefield Yes, because he and he came into that because he talks of cowing a fox because he's speaking in a hushed tone, which is normally reserved for snooker commentary, spring watch, and cowing a fox. Yeah. Um, and also for this to be successful, he needs to be invisible, like as he says, the male presenters of the one show. Great gag, I thought. I really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, be as um, unremarkable as possible. <laughs> We find out that he's um, lying across the back seat uh, in a dog blanket, which is something I wouldn't expect Alan to do, personally. Um, And then we get into a section that I believe only three of us will be able to uh, comment on. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically where he's talking about he he, uh, basically disguising himself as a seat, right? So does this hold any link to what happens in Stratagem? Yes basically oh okay okay hmm interesting spoilers ahead for me perhaps uh i I mean to to a degree only in as much as uh what he sort of describes sort of happens right to a, a, a an extent in in stratagem um and obviously this is i think something that 
not not just I mean it doesn't really spoil it at all does it it's a very visual joke in in stratagem and this is obviously a bit of an audio callback but I think in my mind I could visualize how this looked in stratagem therefore the joke became uh, even funnier um, because okay. to, to, to describe someone you know disguise yourself as a seat doesn't really make much sense um, but when you've seen it done in stratagem you realize it's actually very funny so, so for you guys having seen Stratagem, do you feel like this this adds a layer to it and it's not a case of going, oh, well, they're just repeating something we've seen in Stratagem. It didn't feel like that. I don't think so. No, no. Anyone else thinks, no, I think so. It's a different it's a gag. different context yeah. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Great, no um, further questions. <laughs> there is some chat There is some chat as well about how he, he considered blacking up and then there's a long section about how uh, a local lady did it in order to be Diane Abbott at a Tory fundraiser. Uh, and Grant Shapp said to Ellen that that could, <laughs> could be taken out of context. I'm just going to add another one to yeah. Shapp's yeah. watch. Shapp's watch. Um, Adam, not, not just any local lady, Roger Finch's wife, I believe. And Roger oh, Finch does right. uh, play, a, play a bit of a role throughout the series, well, yeah. And also, I'm pretty sure... Is this where he says he could split Roger's head like um, a beef tomato if he had a rifle? Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if anyone remembers in Mid Morning Matters where there's a section where they ask, what is Alan's friend firing his air rifle into? And <laughs> oh, yeah. the answer is a beef, beef tomato. tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought was a nice little callback. Yeah. Amazing. Um, there's a huge bit of Coogan and Alan crossover now as we go into extended details of the car, um, which I think they do this a few times this series. I don't love it, to be honest with you. I can see why it appeals to the writers to do it, but... It's one of these kind of long sections of like car detail that, yeah, I don't know, doesn't really go anywhere. I think there's a few. I think that's a bit of a common theme in this episode. Personally, uh, a few a few sections that are a little bit uh, directionless yeah. and a little bit void of humour. Um, and is, it's, is not, it, it's not the strongest. Is it this bit as well? So he's he's in the car and he's 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 not he's trying to not move the, move his mouth whilst he's talking, right? So he he says that it makes him sound a bit like Paul Daniels, <laughs> which I think is the second Paul Daniels yep. reference in yep. a row in this series. Yep. Um, and he calls Paul Daniels a very unpleasant man, and uh, <laughs> he's and like queries whether he's dead. Can confirm he died in uh, 2016. Now I'm actually quite surprised that Paul Daniels hasn't featured in the APU more. Mm, yeah. He feels like he'd be ripe for for one. Of, being one of those kind of like middling 80s, 90s celebrities that, that would feature quite heavily in the APU. Um, but doing a bit of Googling, I did find something which I thought was such a perfect kind of crossover of Paul Daniels and Alan's worlds. So I found an article from 2014, um, which was basically uh, Paul Daniels uh, lived in a hotel to save money. So the article reads thus, Magician Paul Daniels has said he got around the cost of living in London as a young performer by spending a year living in a London hotel. He says he lived in the Kensington Hilton for about a year as he was working at the Prince of Wales Theatre and in television. And the hotel was a convenient location to get to both the theatre and television studios. So he was also not only just living in a hotel, but it it, the genius of its location was it was <laughs> equidistant, equidistant between a theatre and a television studio. <laughs> brilliant, I brilliant. thought that was just perfect. Uh, yeah. uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, and speaking of uh, of sort of celebrities that you're surprised don't come up more often in uh, the APU, uh, we're onto a little section called Alan Swap Shop, where he's trying <laughs> to uh, trade a meeting that he won with Ian Botham for any red Botham. letter experience mm. or five hundred pounds cash. Yeah. Uh, thought this was interesting because he, you've actually Ian Beefy Botham or the B or Beef yeah. sorry uh, he actually 
has been mentioned in both the Partridge books. So in I Partridge, Alan writes that he met Beef as a sports reporter in the 90s. Uh, and in, I think, Nomad, he's cover- um, he talks about covering uh, Ian Botham doing a charity walk, uh, Land's End to John O'Groats in 1985. It's interesting that there's no mention of him being a bad person in both of those instances. And you would actually, I would imagine, Alan the character and Ian Botham would actually be kind of bosom buddies almost you know mm. uh isn't ian botham some kind of brexit trade envoy i, I would have <laughs> thought he would be right up alan street yeah absolutely um yeah i i, I think yeah oh so you say he's kind of taken against him here by trying to rather than meeting him he's trying to trade well we because he's saying he's been told he's he's a bad person which yeah. i i find quite surprising in terms of what you'd expect from the character i think yeah that's very fair um there's a bit of uh i guess a bit of a bit more of this pathos um, when we're, we're now referring back to his grandkids, which I think for a lot of us was one of the highlights of Osthouse Series 1 was the sort of development of, of, of him, his sort of rela- fractured relationship with uh, with Fernando's kids. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's been building them a solar system out of various parts that he's found lying around. Yeah, and <laughs> I can only imagine what that's going to look like <laughs> as well, by the way. Well, he's, he's, <laughs> and, what, he's used a, what he's used to pee as Earth... <laughs> A P P for the a moon, for the moon um, a dump, a dumped toilet ballcock uh, for one of the other planets. Mars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and he's, to be fair, he has bought lots of uh, space-related uh, chalk as well. <laughs> your galaxies, your Milky Ways, your Mars, your twelve. I, th- I think. I think it also um, emerges here that this isn't by request or even for a specific point in the future where he's going to go and meet the grandkids. This is just for yeah. some unknow- unknown next he, visit. That's he says he's not sure point. when they're coming back over. Um, so this is very much a speculative build on his part, so that when <laughs> if they decide to come back, there is something uh, for them to uh, play <laughs> he can with. present them with the uh, yeah. toilet discarded toilet yeah, ball that, cock. Yeah. Kids, the fly tip solar system. Yeah, kids don't want um, Marvel and you know Disney princesses. No, 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 no. What they want is a pee for Earth and a toilet ball cock for Mars. <laughs> Go and play with that, kids. Without giving any spoilers away, because one will get to it, and two, Adam hasn't finished the series yet. But in and I wonder if this has come from the Gibbons learning from not mistakes, but learning from maybe where certain things fell down in Ostal series one is that the kind of underlying there's there's not really an overarching story or narrative in this series and I think the closest thing that we do have to that is to is Alan's sort of journey towards you know his grandkids seeing his grandkids again so this, the development of this solar system basically mm. which starts to build out over over in multiple episodes so again maybe this is one for the for the for the wrap-up but it's it's interesting to note that that sort of very light um, narrative through line doesn't start until episode three of this of this series, and I wonder if that is something that they've done. They've stripped out that element of it, and that's you know, like I say, something we can discuss towards the end. But I just had one bit as well about neighbourliness um, before we uh, continue, perhaps with Uranus. Um, he writes about um, neighbours doing favours for each other, and his example is. I will get you some cheap chicken if you get me some cigarettes. Neighbourliness. I thought that sounds more like bartering in prison yeah, than yeah, doing yeah. favours for your neighbours, doesn't it? I just thought that was really weird. Um, it emerges at this point that actually it's Alan and the other members of the Neighbourhood Watch slash not Neighbourhood Watch's fault 
that this fly tipping is occurring in the first place because it was previously a spot where people met to do dog, <laughs> aka dogging, um, until him and his cronies uh, went down there and played the theme tune to the Antiques Roadshow and Emmerdale to deter them. And only after they had left did the fly tipping start. So he's inadvertently the uh, the creator of his own downfall here. And they now meet by the golf course and they're very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did anybody have anything to say about uh, Alan's mysterious friend Gregor? By the way, who <laughs> asks uh, if he can, can, can I see Uranus? I thought you were back with your quite, wife. Quite an interesting <laughs> aside, yeah. Yeah. What I do like about this series, again, we'll talk about it at the end. But what I do like about this series is Alan seems to have a lot of friends or people that he's spending time with, which I'm very, yeah. I'm very happy for Alan. Whether it's on a superficial level or whether, he's, yeah, I know. But like, yeah, they're they're all quite questionable individuals. Yeah, I think is the it, issue. It, yeah. He, well, I don't know. Not all of them, but he is he is spending time with other people, which is which is nice True. in the absence of um, of yeah. Seldy. Isn't it funny how protective we've we've become? Of Paul <laughs> yeah. sort of like, oh, I hope they're. I'm glad he's got friends, Paul, but I'm a bit worried he's fallen in with the wrong crowd. <laughs> um, uh, there's also a nice bit where he talks about he's been switched on about home security ever since they built an affordable housing estate <laughs> on the other side of the playing fields. Um, this is great. Yeah. And I did think that, I mean, maybe intentionally or not, I did think this is this is Coogan playing to some genuine partridges here. I can imagine people hearing this actually taking this sort of this bit at face value in the same way that like Al Murray ended up with an audience yeah. that he didn't really yeah. want that actually sort of believed what the pub landlord was saying. I feel like mm, there's, mm. there's almost a bit of a, a partridge audience at this point where it's become so subtle. That they kind of just <laughs> listen to agree. I, uh, I, I do like when he's talking about how uh, if nurses bring people back from a night out, they're not exactly going to be people who are going to be rubbing shoulders with golfers. Are they? <laughs> they're going to be pumped. They're going to do the deed. They're going to be pumped for so much, so much testosterone. They've got to go on the rob. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the namely, names Johnny Goodtime, Liam Likely Lad, and Nobby No Good. <laughs> Brilliant. But um, it's okay because Kirsty Allsop did yeah. send him a list of household items that could be repurposed as a weapon. You now, can kill I a love, man with an ashtray. <laughs> I love every Kirsty Allsop yeah. mention we get in this series. I mean, it, it, it's neck and neck with her and Grant and Shaps, I think. But um, basically, every time Kirsty Allsop makes an appearance in this series, uh, in uh, particularly so far I've got with it, uh, she, she's basically always doing something violent or kind of <laughs> dishing out advice on how to be violent. Very, very amusing. Yeah, brilliant. She's awful. Um, <laughs> there's, there's In the <laughs> APU, we don't know. Well, no, no. no. Mm, well, we we allegedly know. awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a bit where he's saying uh, you get bad male drivers and bad female drivers. <laughs> I mean, you can argue about the percentages, but the fact remains. Uh, so I did argue about the percentages. Right. Uh, men... Men, according to the National Highway Safety Administration, men cause 6.1 million accidents a year, whereas women cause 4.4 million accidents a year. So uh, the statistics speak for themselves. Right. Did you did you put that uh, look that up on a breadsheet? Sorry, I said breadsheet instead of spreadsheet there. <laughs> um, anyone keep some life hacks? <laughs> oh yes, please. <laughs> well, just uh, you know, pop some uh, grapes if you want to chill down a drink. Um, but do make sure that they are uh, red grapes because the white ones can look like testes, and that's the, that's the end of the life hacks. <laughs> I've actually I I've, it was the other way, the other way around. Way around. The other way Use white so ones. Red ones look like testes. One, purple ones look like testes. Uh, Have you been I, drinking? Testes? I think it's I think it's it's Barab it's Barabbas. My name my name is Barabbas all over again, isn't it? It's white <laughs> grapes. It's red grapes. Yeah, and, well, and three people know three what it is, one. and one person's got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And the grapes uh, must be so frozen. Alan... Don't just put some grapes into. <laughs> so Alan's fallen asleep on the uh, on the stakeout. Um, 
and he's fuming. <laughs> he's so angry at himself, and this comes up quite a lot. His yeah. sort of his rage is mainly directed at himself for failing. He's very self-critical, isn't he? Um, and yeah, eight bags have been dumped while he was asleep, including a mattress and a sink. I made a prediction at this point, which actually didn't turn out to be true, which is that I thought Alan himself would be accused of being the right. fly tipper. Um, but but no, didn't oh, come to pass. Although arguably he he is the fly tipper by the end of this episode because well, of oh, yeah. how <laughs> this transpires. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, he's then in hot pursuit of the fly tipper, um, and uh, and then he's caught, uh, winds his window down an inch. Um, and then we've got this uh, lovely exchange where he immediately softens, as we've seen him do many yeah. times before. Yeah, it, it, he's he sounds visibly he sounds visibly he sounds scared, and uh, yeah, it's an immediate climb down, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not very clear, but I, I think it's prohibited. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> uh, I did like uh, that he immediately calls the police. Of course, he does um, post uh, the confrontation, um, and his description of uh, the man to the police was that he is high. And between the ages of eighteen and sixty-six, <laughs> uh, and also can't can't describe whether or not he was white um, initially yeah. on the call. Um, <laughs> He's a white-faced fat man <laughs> with, with a big head. And then my favourite bit is where he backs out and just goes, "Thank you, nine nine nine." Yeah, thank you, nine nine nine. The um, I, I thought the the actor of the the fly tipper, I couldn't quite place no, who I that is. Either. Like they sounded familiar to mm, me. Um, agreed. But Agreed. they did a very good job of sounding menacing. I thought that that was a great little exchange, and yeah, just kind of like the 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 state of shock that Alan is in is so funny because you've got the kind of like did you did you hear me calling me a tit fucking Wally, and then yeah, the police call. It is a bit like it's a bit like a child making a call because he's in shock so much, isn't it? Um, the way he's kind of like going through all the information, um, and he's nine nine nine. Is is that a Gibbons? I was again, I wasn't a hundred percent sure I, if that I, was a Gibbons. Yeah. yeah. I would assume that they do a lot of that, but it is yeah. hard to tell, and they're yeah. obviously not credited, so it's difficult to confirm. But you would assume so. Um, and so, six hours on from where we started the episode, he's now moved slash hidden all of the fly tipping uh, materials himself. Effectively, he is the fly tipper, um, yeah. as uh, as we said earlier. Um, but he has found a small Venus for his uh, grandkids' solar system. So. Ending on something. Was he going? He goes. I'm dead happy now. <laughs> dead please dead now. Please dead now. please now. Um, there was another gotta try stand up in this episode as well when he says less witching hour, more sandwiching hour. I think these jokes aren't getting better as they go <laughs> along, are they? I feel like probably somebody somebody with more time on their hands and uh, a, a keen approach to editing could put all of his gotta try stand up gags together and see yeah, if it makes some sort of coherent set. Um, could yeah. it be any worse than Jimmy Carr? Who knows? <laughs> oh, Al, uh, Adam, Alan, Adam gunning for Carr. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yes, and actually, just just before we move on to the next episode, we forgot to mention it, or I forgot to mention it. Maybe I'm just taking on this role. Um, that uh, episode two did not take place in or anywhere near the Oast House, and this episode also did not take place inside the Oast House. So that's three out of three so far. <laughs> so we're looking for in. We need Alan inside the Ace House to get a tick for that, yeah. right? Not not nearby because I'd assume he's nearby the Ace House. But okay, so we've gone two shaps and zero Ace House. Yeah, great. And a couple of, and a couple of all sorts, although we're not keeping count. <laughs> Uh, so, on to episode four, which is titled Potholing, and uh, here's Nick with the synopsis. 
Alan and his friend Ronald go potholing. But Ronald stays in the car because he's in a mood. <laughs> but that's Ronald for you. Alan's written that one, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really he's good. absolutely written that one. And, and and I love that. Yeah, they started out so sort of professionally and like a, a neat summary of the episode, and now it's just like rambling like the rest of it. Um, so yes, just a bit where he has, he opens it, going testing, testing. Left that in, I noticed. Um, and. Uh, Hey, there's there's a bit here where he sort of it seems like he's just getting his microphone out or dusting his microphone yes. off for the first time. Do you think this was meant yeah. to be the first episode? That's lit. I've got that exact note that it it suggests that this could. Oh, it certainly could have been because it's uh, the way that it starts. Yeah. You'd expect it to be the first one, yeah, but that, I don't know. That's good because he's I had to know. go into the loft to get the to get the microphone yeah. as well, hasn't he? Yeah, you would exactly. Unless know. if he's not putting clear. the microphone away in the loft every time between recording. But I feel like he he would have already noticed the towels that for some reason stink <laughs> um, if he'd been up and up and back to the loft. All yeah, the time. that's you know what that was the first note I had basically is like why is his why is his podcast mic up in the loft? So perhaps that does hold water that the the running order of this series has changed. Mm. I think there are some other points in this series where it feels to me like episodes are in a different order. Um, but we will get to that, I think, uh, next week, probably. I think there's quite a specific thing that he says which doesn't actually make sense. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed the um, Murphy Richards Kessel when, obviously, <laughs> in Series 1 of The Oast House, we hear him speak to the MD of Morphy Richards, and he calls him Morphy. <laughs> so oh, he's yeah. already called him Morphy, <laughs> and now he's called Kettle Murphy. <laughs> it's just one of the plates. There's another uh, linguistic mangling where he uh, discre- uses the phrase gay abandonment instead of gay abandon. <laughs> as well. um, but the, the burning question is, what do you call yours, a loft or an attic? Loft. Loft. Oh, it's yeah, a loft. So I think I'd alternate between the two. Actually, I, I'm not. I'm not wedded to to either of those. Um, you, that's your either. choice. You're yeah. free to make <laughs> it that really choice. Is. Um, yeah. Um, I was going to say though. Um, I thought the image of him squeezing in and out of his loft between the ceiling and the stack of towels, the ones that stink, that is a bit of a throw forward to basically potholing, isn't mm. it? So he's getting to practice him yep. without even realizing yep. it. That's very true. Um, so yeah, he's got two juices and Christmas decorations in his loft. Um, he then gets quite wistful thinking about whether Belinda Carlisle's ever been to Carlisle. Um, <laughs> I did try googling that. N- nothing useful came up. No evidence. No. Um, no. And he bought that cassette from Woolworths when he had, and I quote, "A whole life ahead of me." <laughs> I, 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 on that point, though, I did try and find out if Belinda Carlisle had been to Carlisle, but that search it, it exactly it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't up. work. It, get, it takes you nowhere. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the kind of Woolworths thing and the life ahead of me thing. It, again, it's it's actually there. There is the pathos. There is the, the sadness and the the melancholy coming in here. Well, yeah. and as he goes as he goes on to say, with lofts, it's easy to get drawn into a tunnel of memories. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he also he also says you can mope, have a sit down, and let the sadness wash over you. Very maudlin start to the the episode and, and the series, really. Yeah. Um, he's then showing off about his potholing abilities, so I think we all know what direction this is going. In, <laughs> as he describes himself as deceptively nimble, like Michael Gove or Rumpelstiltskin, uh, and then, as uh, as Nick's quote in the intro uh, suggested, some confusion about what Rumpelstiltskin was or is. <laughs> I also think at this point there's an opportunity for Jed to do a one minute movie review because I am convinced he will have seen the '90s horror film Rumpelstiltskin. So oh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. We can no way he hasn't seen that. And yeah. perhaps yeah. he perhaps he can also clear up whether Rumpelstiltskin is is a leprechaun or just a small magic man. 
Can it, can it be both? Let's throw to Jed now. <laughs> Welcome back to another One Minute Movie Review. I'm your host, Jed Shepard, and today I'm talking about the 1995 fantasy horror film, Rumpelstiltskin. Nick's right, I love this movie, mostly because it's like a reverse Candyman. Instead of saying his name to call him, saying his name kills him. Weakest antagonist of all time. He gets transported through sketchy magic to present day, and now he wants the baby of a police officer's widow. He isn't a dwarf or a goblin, he is a grown man slightly bending over in a rubber mask. It doesn't quite fit him. He most definitely isn't a leprechaun, as the director Mark Jones already covered that two years earlier with the Jennifer Aniston starring Leprechaun. It's not as good as Leprechaun, but it can certainly help pass 90 minutes with only brief moments for wanted to check Twitter for distraction. I give Rumpelstiltskin three baby souls out of five. See you next time on Jed's One Minute Movie Reviews. The answers we were <laughs> the answers we were all looking for there. <laughs> Thanks, Jed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Alan's still uh, active on Tinder, um, often suggesting a country walk um, as, as a date. Um, and he mentions that he seeds a few moments along the way to illustrate his strength. Um, this again ties fairly directly to something that we saw in stratagem in terms of um alan using kind of physical prowess and thinking that that's like the way to a woman's heart or the way to prove a point um so yeah there's a turn of phrase here though that i think you need to call out um he talks about vaulting styles on tinder dates for the woman he has selected as if a <laughs> tinder works by you selecting women it, it doesn't but the idea of alan just selecting women is also a bit gross and icky. it makes him sound very much like a victim doesn't it i have selected <laughs> yeah. my victim yeah. yeah and a one way one way road to a big kiss also <laughs> slightly turned my stomach um at what point does he talk about wearing stretchy chinos i was keen to talk to resident stretchy trouser fan tom stab about that easy for you to say stretchy chin yeah stretchy chino stab what are you saying <laughs> Yes, 100%. I love a stretchy trouser. I cannot, like, I, 
I'm never wearing jeans again. Like they are the they are brilliant. I, I can highly recommend. You get some excellent ones from ASOS, and if you use my referral code, Tom's <laughs> <laughs> use the promo code Monkey Tennis One to get ten percent off. <laughs> Use the promo code FUCKBELTS to get 20% off. But yeah, stretchy trousers, they are the future. Bloody love them. Um, I had to say, at this point in the episode, I'm sort of, obviously we you know we pause as we go to make notes and things. So there was less pausing than ever going on here. I felt like long stretches of this were kind of fine slash yeah. amusing, but not a huge amount of report or comment on, I don't think. One, th- one thing I, I, I did enjoy, which I kind of stumbled across, and again, I think some of this is just pure coincidence, a bit like the Paul Daniels living in a hotel thing. You know, they haven't, these aren't actual sort of touch points it's just pure coincidence so he's talking about bear grills and god knows why but i popped bear grills into um at google and found this from the times where he talks about his he's talking about his um his christian faith and um uh, meditation and he's promoting a book and it says it's largely written on a phone while he was out in the wild providing reading for the everyday as an aid to prayer or meditation now only two episodes ago where adam was alan was talking about writing his own book using his phone as a dictation. Mm. I just thought some of the coincidences between these things seem <clears throat> surprising. See, it might not surprise me if that is deliberate, because, I mean, again, mm. I, I wasn't aware that Bear Grylls being uh, very Christian was a thing, but obviously that's that's the big joke when Alan's talking about Bear Grylls here, that he can only he's a fascinating man, but only within a very narrow band of subjects, because <laughs> he'll always bring it back to Jesus. So <laughs> I thought that was something they just made up, but that's obviously yeah. actually a real trait. Yeah. So... It wouldn't surprise me if they've taken things like that and deliberately put that in as an Alan character trait at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Is it not the case that they've been researching Bear Grylls because they're going to talk about him, and then off the back of that, they found stories from Bear Grylls, they found stories from Paul Daniel, you know, etc. Yeah, possibly. That they they can weave into Alan's uh, life as well. Um, Yeah, fun that Alan says that you have to use your survival skills to get out of a conversation with Bear Grylls because he will always circle back to Jesus. (laughs) Imagine him and Lynn would get on really well. Yeah. can we touch on the bucket list and uh, the, mm. the the brilliant gag that's weaved into this, uh, which I thought was exceptional? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got their lists down here, but um, quickly, should we set the scene of, of why these bucket lists got written? Um, yeah, that's a good, so, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. So <laughs> Especially they... the level of de- the comparative level of detail. Well, I mean that that's that's the thing, isn't it? So Alan and his friend Ronald. Um, <laughs> So they, 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 Ronald was basically a familiar face at the Boxy Wheat Sheaf, but they bonded over basically having health scares at the same time. And obviously what's great about this is Alan gives a very full and comprehensive rundown of Ronald's issue, and it turns out that it was just because he wasn't drying himself properly after his bath. Also, um, cru- also crucial to mention, it was a bum skin flare that, yes, that Alan that, that's the phrase, bum skin. Yeah, and uh, Alan also goes on to uh, kind of discuss his testicle, uh, Ronald's testicle size, uh, but then when it comes to uh, Alan's uh, health scare, um, Alan won't discuss it because it's private. <laughs> so he's really he's really done Ronald over there, which I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, should we start with Ronald's bucket list then? Does anyone yes. uh, want to kick this off? Kick the bucket. Well, look, it's see the pyramids, hang glide, learn chess, kiss a guy, visit the Falklands. A great broadly, list. Broadly seems good. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you you know, whatever you want. Have, have uh, you got Alan's then... bucket list? <laughs> <laughs> Alan's. Skidding, skidding sideways to halt in a car, <laughs> operating machine gun turret from the back of a pickup truck in Afghanistan or any sandy country, kissing a guy, <laughs> conducting a gospel choir, uh, and, and of course, top, top, yeah, which is top of the list. Yeah. That is top of the list. So, are we 
are we to deduce from this that they have worked on these lists together and that there's some sort of homoerotic subtension here that both of them have kissing a guy on their lists <laughs> that they came up with while they were together? <laughs> yeah, Has, I mean, have they kissed? Is, I, is I'm saying yes. Yeah, I'm saying okay. they've kissed. Yeah, that that's what I'm taking from that. Um, but I I love the fact that, I mean, Alan's list kind of is all things that you would expect. You know, it, it's got kind of car, car stunts. It's got shooting a gun. I mean, I do love the caveats like Afghanistan or any sandy country. That's great. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact he's included potholing. But he's but uh, just before they go into this list, he's actually said he didn't slash doesn't like potholing. So why, <laughs> why put it on your list? You're saying you still don't like it, but you put it on your bucket list. I thought that was great. Um, he's got some. He's crowdsourced some answers from uh, Twitter, hasn't he? Twitter. Uh, uh, some people said. Uh, someone said to him that they thought that the input from Twitter uh, followers and his listeners was the best thing about his show, which is just not true. Um, <laughs> yeah, arg- arguably it's the best thing about our show. But <laughs> we're, less, we're less, less precious than Alan. Um, least amount. Of so he's had a few people. he's had a few people write in uh with their suggestions of bucket lists um so the first said he'd just like to say goodbye and make his peace with god which uh, alan stresses is not the point of this (laughs) things you want to do on your deathbed it's just other things yeah uh simeon's got the hang of it though swim with two dolphins stand with one foot on each uh, to which alan again mangling language says you need to run that by petter yeah i also like that he just describes wearing dolphins as gray shoes Is that where he's like, and if they're good with it, just go for it, I think. Yeah, yeah. if they're fine with it, just go, go for it. it. Yep. Um, struggling morally with Edward's submission, which is to turn invisible and visit uh, women's saunas. Um, initially, Alan's kind of saying this would be frowned upon, but also ultimately decides that as long as he doesn't touch them and they don't know he's there, that no harm has been done. <laughs> but he won't sanction a peephole. Yeah, <laughs> he's very clear he on, that. on that. Um, so come on then, question to the group, what superpower would you have? Oh, like Pam, I'd probably uh, track down a ticket inspector before turning the gun on myself. <laughs> I love that. That really made me laugh. <laughs> oh, no, that's my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got superpowers and bucket list. Confuse, Adam. I wanted superpowers, not things you've always wanted to do. Uh, what what superpower would I have? Hmm. Um, I'd like to swim faster than a shark. Great. Tom Stab, superpower. Uh, I would like to have some sort of superpower which enables me to not have to work and live and travel and just basically do whatever I want. So I would have the ability to pass through walls and just pick up lots of money and then just walk out with the money. I can cut. You just okay. want to be rich, don't you? Yeah, yeah you, want you, rich. you want to be rich. You, you just want to be, be Jeff Bezos. Well. Basically. What you've done is, what you've yeah. done is, you've gone for wanting to be rich, but you added a layer of unnecessary <laughs> effort in. Yeah. Actually, you know what I want? I can just make people do what I want by doing that. I can just, I can just make people do what I want. <laughs> Great, um, and I'll go for flying. Uh, then I can just don't have to pay for travel and can probably just earn loads of money because oh, I'll still have to fly. So I can also be rich as well. So it's fine. Work. Okay, so two of you just want to be rich. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I, I, I want to live in. No, I would quite like to fly. I'm just saying that becoming rich might be a benefit. Actually, you know what? Yours is actually quite good because it's more beneficial for the planet. Exactly. I'm putting the planet first. Eco, eco warrior. Adam, have you Captain Planet? Adam, have you got one, or is it still just turning a gun on yourself <laughs> after catching up with Ticket Inspector? Uh, An interesting superpower at best. I'd have to say unlimited genies. Mm, I mean, I guess that might work. I mean, that's the fun, isn't it? There are no rules, so <laughs> fine. Should we move on? How about Dire Straits? 
So yeah, Dire Straits, um, you've got Alan has picked up his walking pace that it's more Sultans of Swing than Brothers in Arms. Uh, you'll be pleased to know Sultans of Swing has 837 million plays on Spotify, Brothers in Arms only 226 million. So uh, really is winning the war there. Um, yeah, so basically Alan is uh, off and walking on his own because I believe him and Ronald have had a falling out by this point. Yes, and of all the things to fall out about, I'd imagine too much butter in a sandwich is the thing that would um, fracture any relationship. Um, so Ronald's wife has made sandwiches for um, Alan and Ronald on their potholing adventures, but Alan takes uh, issue with the fact that there is too much butter uh, in the sandwich. Um, I also liked that uh, he makes reference to uh, EC Butter Mountains. I like that he's still calling it the EC over the EU as well. <laughs> that was quite nice. <laughs> Um, have you got how he describes the amount of uh, ham in the sandwich as well? I haven't. I haven't. Oh, th- this really tickled me. Like a pig has leant forward and shaved his face on the bread. <laughs> um, there's a fun bit around this point where uh, Alan says, uh, I'm in a wonderful place, literally the Peak District, which I thought was reminiscent of, I'm going nowhere, Lynn. Literally, I'm on the ring road. Yes, yeah, um, that's good. I mean, quick question to the group. Are we on Ronald's side? Is there such a thing as too much butter? On Alan's side, I'm on Alan's side. There's t- there definitely there side. definitely is there, there definitely is, is so yeah. thing as too much butter. I would take umbrage with someone putting too much butter in my sandwiches. I don't yeah. think you need lots of butter in sandwiches. I'm also right. Okay, I'm one of those people. Some people, some people are, and I don't, and I don't anyway. Some people butter both slices of the bread when you're putting a sandwich together. I don't. That's nonsense to me. The butter. That's the default way. No, no, that's that's no. Don't right, need that's, it. That's normal don't behavior. Need don't you, need you're, it. You're the odd don't one need out it. here. Don't, that, right, Nick. Madness. Nick. Nick. Poll time. We're going to drop a poll. We're going to ask people. Nick, write. Right. Nick, write, write this, this down. down. You're, you're running, okay. a poll. running a poll. Right. I've got a pen. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We're going to run a poll. Do you butter both pieces of bread when making a sandwich? Because. I'm 100% everybody says 100%? Yes. Well, you've already got one, a quarter of the people here. So 25%. Right, 99%. 25% right here. I don't think you... One, don't, doesn't need it. Does not need it. Because what you do is you put your, your condiment, you spread that on the other slice of bread. You don't need the butter on there. Otherwise, you just get a buttery, mushy mess. Run out of breath now. Buttery biscuit well, base. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Stab will be potholing alone today. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with the condiment thing, but I would condiment both sides so if i was having mayonnaise in my sandwich for example i would condiment both sides and i wouldn't yep. include butter it, it's like the glue that holds it all together I'd butter yeah. and, then it's, it's, it's mayo. Like... and then but only on one pit no because like you, you want to lubricate you... both right. pieces of okay. bread otherwise Listen, you've got a dry right, we're gonna fall out here <laughs> you're listening to sandwich tennis would you right if you're having a cheese and pickle sandwich would do, you, do you would you on one slice of bread have that? butter Rush. butter and then a layer of pickle Branston pickle would you mix butter and Branston pickle together I wouldn't on have one Branston pickle have you hey. read the ingredients list on Branston pickle grim pi- I'm just grim. I'm pickle. now just Im- I've I've checked out of this entirely, and I'm just watching the video that, that of us all talking and imagining it on Twitter with a little Joe logo in the bottom corner, and then man goes insane about sandwich as the caption at the top. Right, we'll take it to a poll. Uh, um, can I just <laughs> if we go back to the um the the genesis of this falling out as well? When Alan is talking about it, he says we've had a. We've had a falling out or a, or a contretemps, I think he says. Um, or No, sorry, he says Ronald would refer to it as a contretemps because he likes to use French and Latin words as many dicks do. 
Keep an eye on that. That will yeah. come back. Yes. <laughs> Important. And actually, uh, you can also add to that, Alan does have previous form on. At the very least, uh, one, you need to have a basic grasp of Latin, and two, uh, use of Latin on his uh, blazer badge. So, yeah. Exactly that. Um, so, yes, Ronald is now uh, looking nonchalant, or trying to look nonchalant. If anything, he looks chalant. Also a French, French term. So, and, and Tom, is everything, are you okay, or are you still angry? Oh, I'm livid. Okay. I'm good. thinking about sandwiches. <laughs> Um, I think this is the first time we hear the new sting that presumably has been edited by Nathan that we heard about in a recent episode Uh, an acapella bit which is A, a little bit out of time and B, seems very Adam Buxton-esque like that's Mm -hmm. been the inspiration for this Well, um, Adam, I I don't know whether you're going to like this or dislike this based on what you've just said because I feel like you've given it a negative and a positive it really reminded me of your theme tune on the Reads Like a Four podcast (laughs) I did think that as well actually in that it's a bit out of time and shoddily (laughs) recorded Look, that's not not the angle I was going with I just think the nature in which it recorded well, in terms of it being a cappella I thought it was very similar so... uh, well done you for uh, trailblazing on that on that front <laughs> for being partridge adjacent yes um so uh he then Do goes to drop in a about... link for reads like a four tell people where to go to listen to that i mean i haven't recorded an episode for some time if people want to search it out that is entirely up to them right just basically, for the theme, for the theme yeah. tune alone um so alan's got a lot to say about carports i would have thought alan would have been an advocate of carports quite surprised that he's so against them and he says they're for the wealthier man notes not women um but also that arguably it's just a half-hearted garage um and that you don't really need one if you've got a modern car that's alan's take on the carport yeah i mean i I think you're right that it does seem a bit out of step with the character but then i guess perhaps they wrestle that back because Mm. he then goes into quite technical reasons why you don't need it because of the coating that is put on to modern cars so (laughs) that side of it does sit with the character very well so yeah interesting that's true Um, important to note as well that as a consequence of his falling out with ronald he is now potholing alone slash unsafely most people go in pairs for reasons that will become apparent uh did did anybody else enjoy the fact that uh alan also tells us uh well basically we learn he's going potholing but he doesn't want to get his hair wet which seems like (laughs) that's not going to work is it (laughs) I also like just the the thought that he's actually podcasting whilst potholing, which is surely nigh on impossible as well. Like, and you wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, incredibly unsafe and yeah. dangerous. And uh, yeah, your mics would get dirty. In my in my research for this, because I, I I kind of had an idea of what potholing was, but I kind of did a bit of a deep dive, and I was just I was just looking at it, going, why would anyone do this? It, it, it sounds horrendous. It sounds horrific. It? Oh, it, it sounds, sounds like like oh, I don't want to be stuck um, in. I, I've done it. Have you? Yeah, I've done on a, it on a school trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, more caving than potholing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think like potholing. Yeah. There's a slight difference between caving and potholing. Like exploring mass open sort of caves and just like climbing into these tiny. It's like the descent. Like, yeah. a, oh god, no, it just. That that's oh, that said though, um, when we went caving, there were still points where we basically had to get through gaps that were like an A3 sheet oh, of wow. paper size, mm, like mm, really yeah. swing your battery pack to the side so you can get through. Like fuck yeah. that. Yeah, like it you was, have to it, turn your body a certain grim. way. It's the only way you'll get through certain bits. Yeah, I mean, it's. I went to the Dordogne. Yeah, I wouldn't choose to do it on a regular <laughs> basis. Definitely. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would say, if you are going to go potholing, if you want to be, if you want to have a better chance of getting through safely, then uh, perhaps buttering just one slice of the sandwich is the way to go. <laughs> don't get him, don't start him off. But remember, again. there is but only if you're going potholing. <laughs> I'm 
if you don't want to go potholing and crucially want to enjoy life, it's butter I'm, on I'm, slices. I'm Googling the ingredients in Branston pickle now. Horrendous. <laughs> okay, whilst you're, ge- whilst you're Googling that, um, I want to ask a bit of a question about the, the physics of Alan's predicament here. Now, obviously you have to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but I just don't think it really makes sense. I, I can't really square how he's stuck, but then how does he reach to get his water? He's shouting for Ronald, but surely that means he's shouting into the cave, not outwards, so Ronald wouldn't hear him. Uh, later on, he talks about how he's looked at the map again. So how has he managed to do... How has he ma- Like, the implication is that he's stuck and can't move. So how is he able to, like, move his arms and access things that are on his person? Doesn't really make a lot of sense, I thought. And, uh, I, th- I think, imagine if the hole in the cave is, like, a sort of figure-eight shape and he's pinched on the torso... So he's still got room around the sides to get to his pack, etc. But you can't crucially. Oh, because I think he does refer to a bicep pocket, doesn't he? So maybe if it's like up, up a half. Because this this also reminded me a bit of I I think episode two in series one of Oast House, um, when he is on the ramble and he talks about unzipping the toggle from his knee pocket and lifting his legs in the air so that two penguins would slide out. It's a very similar kind of uh, scenario going on there hidden pockets with uh, penguin biscuits in um he's also uh talking about uh phrases that sound like you're being rude when you're not um but i thought it was interesting because the examples he gives cockfight uh bleeding radiator blasted tunnel which is the one he uses mm-hmm. first but then doesn't he then say bastard cup fight yeah <laughs> which is not is not an example of that at all <laughs> i don't know tom stab you're the resident football expert C- could that ever be a thing oh. Yeah, is there a league? Is there a bastard league? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, technically, yes, in the same that anything could be, oh, that bastard cab driver or that bastard nurse or that burst, bastard policewoman. <laughs> but, yeah, could be, could be. You could put bastard in front of anything, it would work. Yeah, but as um, I swear... Uh, yeah, we lost that bastard cup final. Yeah, but that's, that's the point. He's trying to give examples of things that aren't actually swearing. Yeah. Well, I think that would be... Yeah, fine. So it's not, no, it's not a thing. That's what yeah. we're saying. Yeah, that, we're that's on. the joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, I doesn't he? Uh, doesn't he say that he could use a stalagmite to uh, pull himself free, but he doesn't want to because it's taken so long to grow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Such res- such respect. Yeah, that could save his life. <laughs> and I don't. I don't care how thirsty you are. Water is never going to taste like Ribena. Um, <laughs> no, he, he, on that. He, he's losing his mind now. Okay. I have a theory about that that line specifically. I reckon that's a Neil Gibbons line because uh, the other day he tweeted uh, in relation to a Westminster voting intention poll that had Labour very much in the lead. And he retweeted that saying, never heard of Omnisys, which is the company that had done this particular uh, in, uh, voting intention poll. Uh, yeah, never heard of Osmo, uh, Omnisys, but fuck it, I'm drinking these polls down like big glasses of Ribena. So I think Neil Gibbons is the resident Ribena fan in this, this writing team. <laughs> he's given the game away there. Um, there's a nice bit where he's talking about uh, A Long Way Down with uh, Charlie Borman and Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> so good. Uh, comparing their, their travels to his own predicament, saying he's not free, although he is a long way down. Uh, it's interesting that he goes and uh, goes to instinctively call him uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, considering uh, he hates Star Wars and <clears throat> people who like Star Wars. And which again gets mentioned several times in the APU. Mm. Uh, he does also in this episode say that people like Star Trek are dicks as well, and all those Doctor Who people get a life. Poor old Simon and Lucy with their Doctor Who listen along there or whatever it was called. 
Um, is it time to talk about telecommunications company <laughs> O2? <laughs> this is a real this is a real highlight of the series for me. This line. I feel like for anyone who has been on the O2 network as I have since about the age of twenty, and I'm well into my middle age now, um, I can. Uh, I, I feel his I feel his pain and frustration. However, I do quite like VIP access at the O2 and their lovely pre-sales. So I'm keen to stick with them for now, but just won't be tired if you want reception outside of the M25. <laughs> I mean <laughs> So you wouldn't you you wouldn't say you despise O2 then as Alan does. Can, can, uh, we, can we give the full line? He says, I despise O2. I don't want access to the VIP area at Twickenham. I want my phone to fucking work. And <laughs> yeah, I think we can. I'm on O2 as well. And to be fair to Nick, Nick did warn me about how bad their level of service was. But basically, <laughs> it was a good deal. So I just ignored that and went <laughs> yeah, You're it, still but, uh, both on it. Nick, you were not wrong. You're still both on it. And also, Nick, aren't you. I'm tied into a contract. Also, Nick, aren't you outside the M25? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, which is why I, you know, never, <laughs> never call me. I won't answer. You won't get through. The so, phone will not ring. Yeah. This all follows uh, Alan's assertion that he can't get any reception because he's encased in solid rock or because he's on O2. It's because he's on O2. In fact, ironically enough, we had an engineer round today uh, doing some work to do with uh, like smart meters and stuff. And he was basically just saying, yeah, I've checked and the... Basically, the smart meters run on O2 SIM cards, and he was like, "Yeah, you've just got no signal." And like, I live in Zone Two in London; it's that bad. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we talked a little bit about him uh, laying into Star Trek and Doctor Who people, uh, but I don't think we mentioned that he described them as Diet Coke drinking asthmatics that live with their mum. <laughs> ah, no, Adam. I, I think actually, this, I thought this was quite an interesting little aside here. He said, "What I'd give to be sharing a Diet Coke with an asthmatic who lives with his mum." Now. My theory here is he's talking about High Noon there. Mm. Because when he accosted mm. High Noon at the end of Series 1, that was somebody that lived with his mum. And I think there was stuff about... There was always, uh, I think, speculation about him being of ill health and what have you, um, and being a bit... Oh, of, okay. Yeah. But I think he's, he's, he's also implying that is the sort of person that watches Doctor Who as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess it works on both levels. But I did mm. wonder, was that like a little hint that perhaps him and High Noon did <clears> kind of forge some kind of weird friendship and he'd rather be yeah i don't, I don't know I, I guess it reads both ways but yeah possibly possibly um next person to get laid into is bass players where he says yeah, love to learn the bass only takes a couple of weeks <laughs> um yeah this rambling tangent i really i had a lot of fun with this i think uh, alan losing his mind and sort of free associating is great especially when he then tries to pronounce notfla over and over again <laughs> Uh, at what point is Grant Chaps thrown off Cheddar Gorge? That's that's what I'm. Keen oh, that's to, in a bit. That's in keen a bit. to get into. Oh yeah, um, well, when he loses at the argument with himself about killing Grant Chaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, we've there's probably a couple of points to get to before that. Um, so yeah, after not for a bit, and yeah, so then he starts kind of imitating bass guitar and it essentially starts performing Joy Division's transmission, which I thought was yeah. quite interesting because it feels like that that feels like Coogan, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have that down as an Alan yes. I, I thought that was a bit of a bizarre choice for the character. I'd almost think it'd be more in keeping for Alan to kind of hate Joy Division and just not really be into into their music because it's a bit too kind of... It's actually a bit too, like, credible and... Mm. I, I don't know. I just thought that was that was an interesting choice. But, yeah, obviously, Coogan, being a huge fan, makes perfect sense with the Manchester connection and genuinely good music. But, uh, yeah, thought in, interesting. And I think there is a... There's a bit of a Joy Division transmission 
kind of reappearance later in this series, as it were. Um, he chats a bit about how uh, Shackleton and his men survived on real penguins, whereas Alan is attempting to survive on chocolate ones, um, but seeing himself very much in the same boat there. Um, and then, yeah, then we're getting towards the killing of Grant Shapps um, with him t- <laughs> talking about um, third, doing away third with Third Shapps mention, I'll just note that down. I can't quite remember how he gets on to uh, doing away with an enemy and enjoying a wonderful vista. Oh, it's about um, claustrophobia it's... and uh, agoraphobia. So oh, that's right. Yeah, he's basically saying he can understand claustro. He he isn't claustrophobic, but you can understand why people would be. He doesn't understand uh, agoraphobia uh, because it's as he describes it, it's a fear of having plenty of room. And then he's basically going on to kind of say the selling point of the great outdoors is that somebody could stand on the top of Kinder Scout in Derbyshire on a crisp March and shit themselves. <laughs> so. One, that, that's his main selling point for the outdoors. And two, that means he's done that, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally, he's being rescued by, uh, by Ronald. Ronald has, has arrived. Um, I, I enjoy, enjoyed his sort of like push and pull with Ronald, still wanting to make the point about the butter in the sandwiches, but <laughs> yeah. also so grateful to see him. Uh, did you finish the audiobook? Did they go all the way down? I really love that <laughs> <laughs> as well. And we get this VO... Um, sort of uh, motif again where you, you hear them talking in the background and then the, the Alan VO comes in kind of over the top um, so yeah he kind of starts talking about how we're on the planet for a, for a short time and th- at this point I think this is where the sort of Latin part kind yes. of yeah. raises its yeah, head yeah. part of it? his sign off he says uh, carpe diem which is uh, Latin for seize, seize the, day. the day yeah carpe um, diem although... be, be present you know yeah, the <laughs> That's the thing. So, I mean, I think is that is that a gag is that a gag there that he actually doesn't understand what carpe diem means? He thinks it means be present. He's earlier called people who uh, who use Latin as dicks, yeah. Uh, but at least, but at least they knew what it meant. Yeah, yeah. I guess it does it does work on that level. But I think yeah, he's probably having. I think he's also probably poking a little bit of fun at the kind of over how overused that expression is and it's it's just throwaway isn't it with the kind of you know the scripts it's just carpe diem live for the moment whatever you, you know what to do <laughs> but, but, I, but i definitely read that in terms of you know he's he's chastised people for using latin and then not realized that actually he's oh doing yeah, yeah. It himself. it, it so is he, that as well it is yeah, that so, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah we're all in agreement uh tom anything more on sandwiches though have you have you checked the ingredients of Branston pickles? Yeah, they're fine. Awful. They're fine. Awful. Well, I don't understand what's awful. I don't understand what's awful about them. There's nothing in here that I'm like, that's like there's not like fish guts or anything in it. I don't understand what you're. Isn't it got like mince mince in it? What mint beef? Mince. <laughs> Surely well, it's an entirely uh, vegetable based product. Yeah, it is. I don't know what I had, but it was <laughs> disgusting. Pate. Right. This seems what entirely, had? entirely <laughs> fitting. Happened? Entirely fitting for an episode where Alan has uh, has lost his mind and gone on a rambling tangent that we that we end with uh, four to five average minutes about sandwich fillings. But um... and and yeah, but before we um, get back to any more on sandwich fillings, I, I thought as well this episode overall, um, you know the, the way he's the way he's panicking, the way he's uh, the panicking noises, trying to calm himself, shouting himself, why did you do this? One that's very much like uh, him shouting at himself, getting angry at himself in the stakeout episode. But also, this is quite similar to what we've seen happen in Osal series one, where he thinks there's been a break in, and he uh, he gets panicked, gets wrapped up in a curtain, and falls asleep. <laughs> so this kind of panicking yeah. and then falling asleep as a response to the panic. 
I think is quite an interesting character trait that we've seen develop. So I thought that was worthy of a little mention. Uh, and one that we hope we'll see again in uh, future instances in the APU. Um, that's all from us this time on Stakeout and Potholing. Uh, join us next week when we'll be uh, tackling Tynum and Wild Swimming. Um, if you want to get in touch in the meantime, on Instagram it's at MikeyTennisPod, Twitter at ThePartridgePod, Facebook.com slash ThePartridgePod, ThePartridgePod at gmail.com. The hotline is 07923 And if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you'd like to chuck us a few quid, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash monkeytennis. Uh, so we'll see you next week for two more episodes of oast house uh, dissection and celebration but until then from all of us at monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye i am hopping mad and i want something in the middle aha yep absolutely yep yep absolutely monkey tennis bring bring there's a new chat in town i had the last laugh Damn. monkey tennis little pierce my foot on his thigh with a chuckle with a chuckle no. monkey tennis radical awesome Mega! Monkey Tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey Tennis? Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun! I said, who the hell is that? This is great banter! Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey Tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.